Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. Not saying that I didn't pray for you before, but I prayed as the church for the church as a blob, you know what I'm saying? So I was just like, all right, God, this is the church. All right, I'm just praying for everybody. But I have all your names written down now. I know where you live, but I go name by name and pray for each and every, all of the issues that you're going through during the week, that God would have peace and love and, and um, just an expectation of his grace to show up for you. So each and every one of you, I'm calling your names out during the week and praying that God would, would encounter you during the week, that he would arrest you even with his love. And this is something that I will continue to do until the end of time because <laughs> I love you, but because of the power of prayer. And I was reminded this week about that. You know, you, you go through things and you get in your own stuff and you're like, man, this is not happening. Let me just get more frustrated about it, because that, that'll make it work, right? <laughs> if I'm just more frustrated. God is like, you are so angry and frustrated, I'm going to show up right now. That sounds like an environment God wants to be in, right? No, no, no. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. So worship, praise, thanksgiving is what brings him in. And I'm just like, God, this, this is not working. That's not working. This, we're in the midst of all these things that are going on. And then I remember the secret sauce of this life, which is prayer. And it's something that we get into it, and we, we get kind of close to it, and we're like, man, I don't know, it's not working. But there's something about the prevailing prayer, or the good old corny Christian acronym of PUSH. Pray until something happens. And you keep praying, and you keep digging deep with this thing that can be so innocuous sometimes, or it can be so, nothing is working, but I promise you, as we commit ourselves to that and a body to intercession, things start to open up in ways that we couldn't even imagine, because God loves when we gather with him to see transformation happen, so that's not what the message is about, but you know, it's just, prayer is good, that's all I want you to take away from that. (laughs) We're still in the hunger and thirst um, series. Next week, we have a special guest that's going to be speaking. Matt Latterell is going to be speaking next week. Let's give it up for him. Yeah! It's going to be tasty, too. You know what I'm saying? We're trying to get new voices. I'm still looking for the lady voice. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking out there. I'm I'm looking far and wide. So if I haven't asked you, I may ask you soon. Uh, And today is hunger and thirst for righteousness. Last week we talked about our natural need and hunger for community. But today is about our hunger and thirst for righteousness. And what is righteousness? To me, righteousness is the need to be in right standing with God. To know I'm morally good. Am I doing the things that I need to do, Lord? And righteousness works out with God. And then how does righteousness work out in the world? Through justice. In Matthew 5 and 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I've always looked at this verse and go, it's pretty simple, right? When you're hungry and thirsting for righteousness, you're going to be filled. 
with hunger with uh with righteousness, which that word also means justice, but it's always translated as righteousness, right? Because justice means we have to work out something in the world. Righteousness feels very personal. It's just between me and God. But it's also righteousness and justice. For they will be filled with what? It doesn't say what. We assume that it just means we hunger and thirst for righteousness and then we're filled with righteousness. But no, we will be filled. Who is the ultimate filler? Nobody but Jesus Christ, right? Our righteousness is always seeming to come from what we do. How can we detach our righteousness from what we do? Our right standing with God is not because of what we do. It's because of what Jesus has done. But yet and still, when we stand in the world's place and seek to be people of justice, we are standing up for the oppressed. We are standing up for those who don't have any. We are fully in the world's righteousness. We are fully standing in our ability to know what's right from wrong and walk that way. But what we're running into a world that is polarized because we all think we're right, right? (laughs) We all think that we know the right way that God has called us to move in this world. But there, the problem is there are people who are on one side of the political spectrum who believe that, and there are people on the other side of the political spectrum who believe that. Who is right? I don't know. This is not a message to answer that. (laughs) What this is a message to say is that that is us standing in our own righteousness. That's us saying, I believe this so well. I know this so well that I know God would not disagree with me. There is this meme that I saw this week in Jesus with this little boy. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, why are we the only ones in heaven? (laughs) It's like, because nobody believed the right thing. You know what I mean? And I think somehow we believe that we are believing the right way and then someone else is believing the wrong way. But it makes sense. Doesn't it make sense? But no, we are called to stand in the righteousness of Jesus. There's this crazy word that does not even look like the way you're supposed to pronounce it. It is dikaiosune. Would you ever pronounce that word that way? Dikaiosune. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for dikaiosune in its personified spirit of righteousness and justice. A Greek goddess who demanded tribute and therefore that's how you would know you were, you were made righteous. On the south side, there was some people that we knew, and they had a baby, and they named the child, and they, it was some white folks ministering in a black neighborhood. And so they named their child Dakaya, and I'm like, oh, that's just a hood name. You know, they wanted to be like, you know, get her, give her a black name. But I'm like, uh, no, they got it from this. They named their daughter Justice and Righteousness. But the personified spirit of righteousness and justice is Sune. We always pronounce and read this verse, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. But it is a hunger for righteousness with God and for his justice to be worked out on earth. That it would be a justice that makes sense 
for all of us. What is so great about Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech? Because who was the enemy in that speech? Who was the transgressor in that speech? It was unity was our, disunity was our transgression. That I am aware of one, I have one enemy, and they don't look like a person. I have decided to not let the world make people my enemy. The righteousness that I stand in is in one of Jesus. We have such an allure to um, anybody like Marvel movies? Bless you. Anybody like Marvel movies, right? We love to be uh, heroes. And they, those things make billions of dollars. And they, the stories are amazing. It shows our need, our desire to be the hero of our own story as well. That we just want to know okay, who's the right, who's the bad guy, and who's the good guy? But now we have all these movies like, like uh, Gru, and we're like, oh, hold on, the bad guy is actually good. Or Wicked. Oh, you know what I mean? She was misunderstood. You know what I mean? It's like now we're starting to see it from a different perspective. But God, I'm right, right? This is what I believe. March Madness is happening, right? And I always wonder, like, God, if people are on two different teams, both praying for a win, how do you decide who's going to win? Like, how do you decide it? Who, who's right in that situation? Who needs it more? And I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> but it's so interesting that we never consider the other side. We just go, my side is right. Because I'm staring and looking at it from that perspective. And God is like, no, nah, you're not actually right. It says in Scripture that no one is right. No one is without sin. How do I find righteousness? I find it in Jesus. It doesn't answer my question because, you know, I mean, he, I don't, does he like North Carolina or not? <laughs> does he like Northwestern, Holy Cross? That seems to make sense, but I don't know. Who, what, it doesn't mean, how am I supposed to believe, Lord? How do I know I'm right? I want to be good. I want to be right. And he's saying, none of you is right. I'm the only one who's right. And when we stand in his righteousness is when we find his goodness. Our behavior makes us a good neighbor. Our faith makes us a believer. We want to behave good, but our, our faith and our trust and our obedience to God is actually what makes us righteous. How do you listen to the Lord? Not what your own heart wants to do, but what he is calling you to do. Our drive to be right, we don't remember that there is always two sides of a coin. There's always that groove. You know what I'm saying? He's just misunderstood. He's not evil. When we went on our trip around the country in 2020 in our RV, and many of you experienced the same things, one of the collateral damage of the pandemic was not being able to gather in church together. And being that I was going around doing these, this work to be vulnerable and to talk about justice and to bring artists together, I didn't realize how far I was drifting into my own righteousness, how I had drifted from the righteousness of Christ. 
But partially it was because I wasn't going to church. That foundation that Jesus has built exists here in the body in the church. I understand that we have all kind of ways to justify not going to or participating in a place that Jesus said, I am built this upon a rock and not even the gates of hell will stand it. It's crazy. But we stand in our righteousness and we go like, I know what's right for this country. I know what's right for people. I know what we all need to have. And I found myself drifting into a place where I couldn't be Jesus-centered. And like, look, I'm a black man, if you haven't noticed. But, you know. <laughs> and it is very difficult to look and see all these messages of how I'm missing. And, and still see people clutching their bags when I walk by. Or getting noticeably uncomfortable when they're walking by me on the street. I'm like, lady, I will put money in your purse before I would take it. <laughs> you want a sandwich? I'm getting out sandwiches. You want one? <laughs> and it's hard in this world where we seem to understand the way things are supposed to be right. But Jesus wouldn't let anybody make themselves his enemy. How could he possibly do that? He did what he saw the Father doing. And he didn't see the Father pointing a finger at anybody, saying you're not righteous enough and you don't believe the right way. It is a difficult prospect we have. But Jesus is the true definer of justice and righteousness. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. <laughs> frolic. <laughs> The son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. In Psalm 17 and 8, David writes, Lord, hide me in the shadow of your wings and keep me as the apple of your eye. Can you cover me, Jesus? Can your righteousness be what I'm known for? We live in a city where we love to think and, and, and really be interested in thinking <laughs> and really academic and talk about all the degrees we have. But I am only right when I am close to Jesus, when I'm seated in him, when I'm walking with him, when I'm living with him. That is what determines my distance to rightness. It's not based on my political affiliation, it's not based on whether I recycle or I just throw my recycling in the trash. It is my closeness to him. But the world is always trying to pull us into a new, another way of righteousness. Of standing with the right thought, the right idea, and the right Thing, our righteousness actually comes from what Jesus did. 
on what he has done. But I'm, I'm smart, God. I know things. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I know things. But it comes from what he's done. Jesus always calls us to yield ground. It's not this world we live in. We don't yield ground to each other. We don't let other people go first. My son is starting to enter the world of AAU basketball because he's currently 6'9 and 170 pounds, maybe. (laughs) And it could be very sleazy feeling because everybody, all these parents are competitive. They're trying to get your kids on the best team. And it seems like people are just trying to take money out of your pocket. And we're like, all, oh, hold on. Hey, my kid is good. Hey, I need to make them best. My sons, you know, they, they love to play sports. And I got to get them on the best team with the, with the best chance for them to succeed. And I'm just like not super competitive like that. Although I say that and I probably am, you know, pretty competitive. <laughs> I take the hardest task possible like seeing Jesus come to Chicago. <laughs> Give me the hardest thing you have, God, that has no equivalent I can think of, you know, your spirit moving to the city. Yeah, I want that hard one. Yeah, let me do that. But, and we think that we are really in a fight, in a competition against people and what they believe and what they think. And it's not. When, it, when Jesus said it was finished, he was telling the truth. It was finished. He has risen to and has ascended to a place that no one could ever knock him down. So my thoughts and ideas will become like shifting sands over a decade or over five years. If it's just rooted in the world, how do I know I'm in the righteousness of Christ? Because what I walk in, the truth that I move in, is not going anywhere. It will never go anywhere. As much as people are like, man, institutional church, church ain't going nowhere. Nowhere. Because Jesus said, I've built this church upon my rock. His word shall not return void. It shall go out and accomplish all things that it's meant to prophetically. And even in our regard, kings and queens and philosophers and Nietzsche, and Kierkegaard, and all the philosophers who are uh, in different ways have been fighting against the word of God. They are plant food. And the word of God is still going out into the world. It truly comes from what Jesus has done. Every time I see a sunrise, I think of This is the consistency of the sun rising, and we are hidden in the shadow of those wings where there is healing. That's where righteousness comes from, what he has done. This is a passage of someone, John the Baptist, notably, welcoming Jesus 
not, this is not him welcoming Jesus, but the same one who welcomed Jesus into the world. Look, the one who takes away the sins of the world, the Messiah, the Son of God. This is after Jesus coming didn't look the way he thought it was going to look. John the effing Baptist, <laughs> who ate locusts and honey in the wilderness and had a, a raggedy belt and was probably dirty and hairy, but was a great prophet leading the way for Jesus. When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask. John sent them, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus threw a beatitude in there just to, just to seal it up nicely. What happened to John? He was standing in his own righteousness. He was standing in his own understanding of what it meant for God to work out things in the earth. John said, are you the one that is to come or should we expect someone else? Offense will make us believe the way that we've decided that God should come is the right way that he should come. And when Jesus comes another way and does something else, we're like, ah, that." I'm sure that's not you because I'm righteous. And so I know what it looks like when you come, God, right? Except for the blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed. Even Jesus in his first campaign speech, no, Jesus didn't have a campaign He said, he will release the captives from prison. Where was John? Sitting in prison. You said it, Jesus. Come on. As I like to say, he, we thought he was supposed to come on a white horse with an Uzi. Rambo Jesus. Killing all the Romans. This is what John thought. Killing all the Romans and restoring the kingdom in a violent way because that's how they had been oppressed. And Jesus came tiptoeing through the tulips not smoldering out a wick, not snuffing out a wick, and not bruising a reed, holding children, healing the lame, encouraging people, loving people. That's not the way I would do it. I'm right, so you should do it the way I want you to do it. But there's, there's something about us knowing when we stand in the righteousness of Jesus. We know what he looks like when he comes. We know what he looks like when he's moving, we can rightly divide what is truly him and what is really seeped in the world. And it's constant manipulation and ideas of scarcity that need us to believe a certain way or we just missed it. That it's going around now, you know what I'm saying, the, the, uh, the term woke. You know, it's, it's just been weaponized. I heard someone say that woke just means black. Or it's the new N-word. Woke is the new N-word when you say that. It actually came from a blues mu musician. 
Lead Belly Lead Better was a musician, and he told black folks when they're going through the South to stay woke. To him, that meant to stay alert to those dangerous forces there. Sounds like a great meaning, but now it's been co-opted and weaponized in different ways. That we in our world will take whatever innocent, innocuous term it may be and twist it for our own political purposes. And that's why it's important for us to not make anyone an enemy. Surely our righteousness will not look the way we want it to look if Jesus is the author. What are you saying? If it doesn't look the way you want it to look, that's how you know it's right. (laughs) If we can manipulate it to look the way we want it to look, does that mean Jesus is the author? He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one holding the pen. And as good as I was doing stuff out there on the road, I'm like, some of the ways I'm believing and thinking, God, I don't know if you're the author of that. I know that the world is encouraging me in this and and that it feels good and it, it should be right. But who am I alienating? Who am I, like, creating more distance to you and to your heart? Because in love, you are going to redeem us and not leave anyone on the outside. But somehow we believe that, like, what's good news for us is kind of like okay news for someone else. The righteousness of Jesus leaves no one behind. We all get to embrace the goodness of him. This is one of the dopest, most killer verses in the Bible. Looking unto Jesus. Just read Hebrews 12 this week, okay? Just read Hebrews 12. That mug is fuego. It has fire in it, literally. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God the author and finisher of our faith. He has authored our story and our movie. I saw this thing from this guy this week, and this is going to tell you something. He apparently mentors a lot of Hollywood screenwriters. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but just think about how this idea that this guy says can seep into all the things that we consume. He says, you know what? There is no meaning to life. You you get to kind of make whatever meaning you would like out of it. And I, I see how that could be inspiring, right? Creatively and spiritually, you go, oh, it's just this this big piece of clay that I get to mold with my will or I get to mold with with my creativity. I, I can do that myself. But what it does is it it means that who are we created by? And this creator is the one who can tell me my purpose. 
It's no use in me talking to a MacBook and asking it what its purpose is. It's no use in me talking to a pen asking it what its purpose is. I need to ask the person who created it. What's its purpose? And God knows that for each and every one of us. You guys want to stand up? Our righteousness is found in him. This is a painting that I painted called Chicago Healed. And it just has all these different pieces of my journey here in this city. Um, But it reminds me when I felt I knew the best where I was going, it was when I stood firmly in him and trusted only in Jesus, not what I can do. We're all smart, Lord, but the smartest, most highly resourced people never look more beautiful than when they're laying it at the feet of Jesus. It's the most wonderful, wise thing we can all do. Put your hand over your heart. Father, I just thank you for your righteousness that knows no bounds, that you have called us to stand in your righteousness, that we have this hunger and this thirst to be right, to be morally good, to be in a place with you, but knowing that you have done this, God, for those who are far away, who are distant, God, we pray that they will find their way back to you.